Well, I want to welcome everybody here today. Uh, we've got a number of them next door uh, preparing lunch and everything. So please, if y'all haven't got plans, stay and eat, eat dinner with us. There'll be plenty of food over there and would love to have you join us today. Uh, as most of y'all know, uh, Jerry Bowen passed away. Uh, he passed away the 23rd and... I was due to go see him Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock. Well, Tuesday evening, got a message saying, Jerry is gone. So just like I was, just like I said in Jerry's service yesterday, I did Jerry's service yesterday. And you know, I've got to give God praise. I got the call Wednesday that the service was going to be Thursday and if I would do the service. And I said, Lord, what am I going to say? You know? And uh, I got home from church. We had church, you know, Wednesday. And I went right straight down, started working on it. And I wasn't down there hard in no time, and I had it done. I mean, God just started giving me things to say. I knew Jerry, but yet, you know... When I do a funeral service, I want to make it personal. It's for the family. It's, it's not a, I, I don't want a generic funeral service. I want it to honor that person. And uh, But anyway, God gave me what he wanted me to do. And uh, so Monday morning at 10.30 at Azerland will be the burial. They couldn't get everything done. So And there will also be a military service also would be the probably the playing of taps. I don't know if there'll be the 21 gun salute or not, but the folding of the flag and then presenting that to Linda, his wife. Then I would do a short graveside. And uh, but you know, <clears throat> Roy was there and he did a couple songs. He did Peace in the Valley and he did Beautiful Land. And I got to thinking as we was doing Beulah Land, when we reach our heavenly flight, I mean, when we take our heavenly Jerry has made his flight. He's home. He's well. He's whole. He's healed. So, praise God. You know, Jerry was 88 years old. And he was in his last stages of COPD, but he'd been suffering with this for a number of years. And uh, sometimes as I was sitting there, I got to thinking about Enoch. How all of a sudden, Enoch didn't see death, but God just took him. Wouldn't that be great not to see death? And chances are, we're in the age right now, we can go out of here and never see death. There's such a thing coming as we call it the rapture. You won't see death. But you will get you a brand new heavenly glorified body on your way to heaven. And so, but anyway, I was just thinking that. I couldn't help but giving God praise for, you know, and it's kind of like what my sermon is this morning. I entitled my sermon, Let God Be God, Not Us. How many of us spend more time trying to tell God how to do something? 
God, I want it like this. Now, God, this is what you need to do. Now, God, I don't know. Uh, you know, you probably need to do it like this. Well, let me tell you something. God's already got that figured out. We don't have to go to God and tell him what he needs to do. We need to let God be God. We need to let God do his job. And we're trying to sit here trying to do job, God's job for him. How do I know this? I'm as guilty as the next person. It's just like, just like what I was talking about. Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do about it. Lord, I don't know what to say. And if I had just shut up long enough, I could have heard God say, don't worry about it, Bill. I'm going to tell you what to say. But see, I was trying to tell God, oh, God, I'm, I'm going through all this. Oh, Lord, woe is me, you know. And God said, oh, shut up and listen. You know. And when I got quiet and let my heart listen, I don't want to hear it up here. I want to hear it here. And then I started hearing things. And as I was hearing things, make me some little notes there. And then in a minute, it got real quiet. God said, okay, now you can do the rest of it. You know what you need to do. And I was downstairs, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes. I come back up, Linda was sitting there. She said, I thought she was working on that sermon. I said, I'm through. Like, I did it, you know. <laughs> and I said, Look how good I am. How many of us are like that? We want to take the credit for what God does. Uh, and then I got to think, it hit me. I didn't realize that's what I thought I was saying. Because that's not what I meant. But I just meant, Lord, I was trying to take your credit, wasn't I? He said, well, Bill, I understand. I know you really would, but yes, it did sound like that. I said, God, forgive me. And... You know, because sometimes we do things that's actually God. And we try to say, look what I did. You know, we're taking God's glory. It's God's glory, not ours. You know, we have to stop and think, you know, we serve an awful, awful, powerful God. And we, st and you, do you realize that we can limit God as to what He does in our lives? Even in the Scripture, it says, "For the, for the Holy One was limited." Israel limited the Holy One. Talking about how do, how how can we limit God? Most of us limit Him by unbelief, disobedience, and not listening and doing what He told us to do. We can limit God to what he does in our life. But when we're obedient and we listen to God and do what God does, God wants to bless us so much. And he will bless us. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. How many of us forget God's benefits and what he does for us. Probably a lot of us. And that is one of the main things to help us in being obedient and serving God is remembering what God has already done. 
Everybody in here, I know a number of you. And I know how God's touched your lives. I know what God has done in your lives. And when you pray, you say, God, I know you can do it because you did it before. Just remind God, God, I hadn't forgot. I know what your strength is. I know how powerful you are. I know you know everything. I know you're all, all powerful. I know you're all knowing. Lord, I know you're everywhere at one time. Acknowledge God for who he is. Acknowledge God for what he can do in our lives. You know, <clears throat> God has already told us in scripture here that we can't compare to God. Listen to what he tells us here in, in, in the book of Isaiah in, verse, in chapter 55, verse 8 and 9. God is telling us something here. And we need to listen to this and quit trying to tell God what to do. Listen to what God has already told us. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways says the Lord. For as, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And we're trying to compare ourselves and tell God what to do. And he said us right here, you don't think like I do. You don't know what I know. Now shut up and sit there and let me talk to you. And here we are trying to tell God what to do and God already's got everything laid out. He said, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not plans to hurt you. God knows his plans for us, and all we got to do is fall in line and let God's plan work in our life. God wants to bless us. He wants us to be prosperous. He wants us to have the things that we want except if it's going to be something that's going to draw us away from him. How many of you know we can ask for things that, that, that if we get them, it can pull us away from God because we're going to, we're going to think more of what God gave us and, and sometimes it can even pull you out of church. Because you're going to be wanting to do what, what you wanted more than what you wanted of God. You know, people say, well, I, I don't know if God always answers my prayers. God always answers our prayer. He answers them in three ways. But he will always answer. Yes, no, or not now. That's how he answers us. Maybe it's not time for what you're asking for. God's not saying no, but he said, not right now. This is not the time. And then we get angry. Well, God just won't let me have what I want. Sometimes if you get exactly what you want, it's going to hurt you. And God knows this. And sometimes God won't let you have it because he knows what it's going to do. And we don't think about that. We think about what I want. What I want. And God says, that won't be good for you. See, God knows all this ahead of time. And he's protecting us. And, uh, you know, God was, going to show, God was going to show Israel, you need to trust me. You know, y'all remember the story when in the exile, whenever uh, Israel was going to be leaving 
Egypt, and they got kind of caught between uh, the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army. There was the Red Sea in front of them, Pharaoh's army behind them, closing in on them. Lord, what are we going? Finally, they wised up and they said, God, what do we do? What do we do? See, this is what he's telling us. To wise up, ask God, God, what is it that you want me to do? Listen to what God does here. I'm going to read you here in Exodus 14, chapter 14, verse 13. This is God speaking. He says, fear you not. He's telling them, hey, wimps, straighten up. I'm here. I'm with you. He said, stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord which he will show you today. You don't have to do anything. Just step back and watch and see what God is fixing to do. And then it goes on here and it says, For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. Why? What did God say? What was going to happen? As I was waiting and wondering, how am I going to get through this, this Red Sea? All of a sudden, Moses gets up there and he lifts his staff. And all of a sudden, that Red Sea opens up. See, so many people think that this is a child's fairy tale. This actually happened. God opened the Red Sea for his people to cross into safety. He was opening that Red Sea because God was getting ready to take his people to that promised land that he had promised them. God was keeping his promise to them and they didn't realize it. You know, I read a story and it showed that where, <coughs> excuse me, that where the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, divers went down and they was looking. They found chariot wheels they found these Egyptians' shields. They found different things that showing they, that those Egyptians tried to cross, but something happened. They found parts of chariots, wheels, shields, and different things, swords, different things laying on the bottom of that sea. That's when the walls closed. That's when the sea closed on them. Drowned every one of them. That's what God's saying. And you shall see them again no more forever. I'm doing away with them. God already had a plan. God knew what he was going to do. He knew that he was fixing a protection for his people. See, God told Israel, stand back and watch what I'm going to do for you. Sometimes I think that is exactly what God is telling us. Stand back and watch what I am going to do for you. Stand back and just watch. And uh, <clears throat> so God just showed Israel right there, if you'll just be obedient to me, listen to me, I'll get you through things. And then here, when Israel finally got across the Red Sea and got into, into the desert, what? It said they had no food to eat. They were going to Moses. They were crying. They were begging. They were... Doing everything in the world. And then look here in Exodus chapter 16, verse 4, what God says. God heard them. He knew what they needed. He was going to take care of them. 
He said, Behold, or hey, Israel, listen up. I will rain bread down from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain amount every day. You know, why could they not gather so much? Why couldn't they just keep gathering the bread where they'd be sure they had it? Why? Because God wanted them to trust him that that bread was going to be there every day for them. Do you realize that they said that some tried to gather more than they were supposed to? What happened? It molded. Worms got in it. And everything, just overnight. God said, I told you to get a certain amount. See, God knows what he's doing. And he said, and gather a certain amount every day that I may prove to them whether they walk in my law or not. God said, be obedient to what I tell you. I will watch over you. I will take care of you. And I will get you to where you're going. But Israel just kept on and on and on. Even Moses got kind of got perturbed. You know, then they was getting the bread. Then they wasn't concerned. They, they, they got tired of the bread. So we want meat. We want meat. We're tired of just this bread. Well, it was manna. <coughs> you know, they said, well, what does manna mean? It means, what is it? They didn't even know what it was. But then God said, I will send them quail. He sent in so many quail, all they had to do is go out there and gather them up. God took care of them. He was watching over those people. They just had to put their faith and put their trust in God and what he told them. You know, have you ever just really sat back, maybe pick up something like, well, your Bible, but just, that, that, that makes a little book that's called God's Promises. And just look at the promises that God has promised us. There are so many promises, and God is still keeping those promises. Some of the promises God has already fulfilled. Some of them are still waiting to be fulfilled. But so many of them say, I will do this if you will do this. Sometimes God's promises were conditional. We had to be obedient and do what God said, and then God would be, he would do what he said he'd do because of our obedience. You know, we have to trust God. And when I get down here to trust, there's another story that many people think it is nothing but a fairy tale, that this is some, something kids do in Sunday school. It happened, or, or God wouldn't have put it in here. And what I'm going to read to you here right now, it's, uh, it's about three Hebrew young men. And when they were thrown into a fiery furnace. Now you talk about having faith. Now we got to remember, when these young Hebrews were, were brought into Babylon, they were very young, maybe teenagers. And they were going to be trained to the Hebrew way, or the Babylonian way, excuse me. And most of them, they were very smart, very clever. But then, one day, 
Nebuchadnezzar decided, I'm going to build me a statue, and I want every one of you to bow down before that statue and honor me. And he told them, when you hear the music play, you go out here and you bow down before that statue. Those three young Hebrew boys would not bow down. Why? Why? They had been raised by a God-fearing family that said, you do not put anything before God. You do not worship idols. They were willing to give their life, if they had to, to be obedient to God. Well, when they wouldn't bow down, you know, even old Nebuchadnezzar gave them another shot at it. Said, listen, I'm going to play that music one more time. If you'll bow down, I'll forget about throwing you in that fiery furnace. And uh, they said, no, I don't think so, king. We're not going to bow down to your idol. And here in Daniel chapter 3, verse 18, listen to what these young Hebrew men told Daniel. I mean, excuse me, told Nebuchadnezzar, the king. He said, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Boy, three young standing before a king telling him, no, we're not going to bow down. Our God will deliver us and he'll deliver us out of your hand. Well, don't, and when they did, Nebuchadnezzar got angry. He got mad. And he told his men to heat that fire seven times hotter than it had ever been. He told them to throw them in there, to bind them, throw them in clothes and all, to tie their hands, throw them in there fully clothed. And do you know, as they were trying to throw these young Hebrew children into the fire, those soldiers perished because the fire was so hot. As they got there, many of the soldiers died. They got the young Hebrew children in there. And uh, I bet you know, they probably, they did not try to figure out how God was going to get them, get them out of their problem. They just trusted that God was going to show up. Sometimes he shows up when we least expect it, doesn't he, Pat? Me and Pat was at the hospital one night. She was having trouble with blood pressure and heart and all that. In the emergency room, I get to go in there finally. Took my oil with me. Anointed her prayed over, and all of a sudden, nearly immediately, everything turned to normal. The doctors, nurses, all come running over. What happened? What happened? What's going on? I like what she said. She said, God showed up. They just looked at each other like, oh, oh, really? But I don't guess you've been back, have you? <laughs> but God showed up that night he's showing us what he can do he said put your faith in me trust me let me take care of it and uh, but see these young Hebrew children didn't try to figure out how God was going to get them out of this mess they just knew God was going to show up and when God showed up he already had a plan they wouldn't have to figure out nothing And here in Daniel chapter 3, verse 24 through 25, Nebuchadnezzar sitting there, I can just, 
I could just see the look on his face. As he's looking in there, listen to what he's, he's looking in there at that fire. He's he, amazed at what he's seeing. He said, I don't believe what I'm seeing. Listen to what he's saying. Here in verse in Daniel 3, 24 through 25, he said, And then Nebuchadnezzar the king was amazed and rose up in haste and spoke and said unto his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of that fire? And they answered and said unto the king, That's true, O king, that's what we did. And he answered and said, The king said, but I see four men loose walking around in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. You know, God had to give Nebuchadnezzar kind of a vision or something of what his son looked like. Nebuchadnezzar didn't believe in God. He didn't believe in Jesus Christ. He didn't believe in any of it. He only believed in him because he was the king. But he said, and the fourth... Looks like the Son of God walking around in there with them. Well, he was right. He was, the Son of God was the fourth man in the fire. He was in there to protect them. You know, and some people say, well, what, what happened? What did he do? You know, sometimes I just have to believe it was nothing but the glory of God surrounding them. And that fire could not get to them. See? God already had a plan. They didn't have to ask God. Oh God, this is how you need to do it. God, this is what you need to do. What did they say up here a while ago? If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from this burning, fire, from this burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us. Their faith was in God and that he was able to do it. You know, we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ have to stop limiting God as to how we think he should be God. We have to quit telling him how to be God, what to do, what we want him to do, what he needs to do. Because he's not going to listen to us anyway. He's already got the plan. But all we're doing, if we have doubt and unbelief, we're slowing God down. We're limiting to God. We're limiting God to what he can do in our life. Remember in the New Testament there when Jesus said he went about he could just heal so many just so many people because of their he couldn't heal but just a few simply because of their unbelief. Because of unbelief. See, God is not going to force anything on you. He is not going to make you do anything. God gave us a free will. It's our choice to whether we believe in God, to whether we act on what God says, it's up to us. And when we have doubts, when our faith is not in God, you know what you're doing? You're kind of binding God's hands as to what he can do in your life. They don't believe. They have to have faith. If you don't have faith, you can't please me. What God, without faith, we cannot please God. We must have faith in who he is, that he is who he says he is, and he'll do what he says he'll do. If we want God to be active in our life and, and to be there for us, it's going to take faith. Again, we can come right back to 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all ways acknowledge God, and He will guide you. See, it comes down to trusting, believing, and obeying what God's Word says. If we're not going to do that, we really shouldn't even be praying to God. He said, you don't believe it. And until you believe it, I'm not going to act on it. You're going to do without until you believe. Believe, receive, have, faith, have doubt, and do without. That's about what it amounts to. If you have doubt, you do without. If you have faith and you believe, you will receive. And... Uh, but God's already got plans as what he wants to do in our lives. You know, you may think that God will, will uh, provide what you need in a certain way. Well, I know God's going to do it like this. I know he's going to do it this way. But his plans to show up and provide for you are in such a way and I think that those around you will look at you when God shows up and says, Hey, I'm so, that had to be God. There's no other way. It had to be God pouring his blessings out on you. It wasn't man. That had to be God the way all that took place. And you know, you may think that you know the way that God's going to get you out of a certain problem. But God's plans are to show up in such a way that even those around you who are not believers will have to say, oh, that had to be God. You know, I think in this day and time and the way that things are getting right now, I think God's going to do more and more to show these unbelievers out there, I am God. He's going to change hearts. He's going to change attitudes. And he's going to turn doubt into belief. I love to read the story sometimes. I'll sit down and I'll get to reading about Maybe an atheist who never, ever believed. But then God did such a miracle in that atheist's life, that atheist said, I know that was God. There could have been no other way this could happen. And he changed that atheist's whole outlook on everything. And that atheist began to believe and to serve and to honor God. See, God can do these kind of things. And God's going to do things in a way that's going to give him the glory. Not man, not man. But God is going to receive the glory. And, and sometimes we can get out of God's blessings just by our thoughts, our doubts, and how we think God's going to do something. If he don't do it just exactly the way we, we wanted him to do it, sometimes we get mad. Well, God, that's not the way I wanted it done. God said, yeah, but that's the way I wanted to do it. So we just have to put our faith and our trust in God. See, it's not, uh, it's not up to us to know the hows, the whens, or anything that God works. It's just up to us to trust in God. Just like those Hebrew kids. Their faith was so strong God honored them. It said that, that, that whenever Nebuchadnezzar took them out of the flame, that their clothes were not even singed. There was no smell of smoke on them. 
You know the only thing that burned while, the, while those Hebrew kids were in the furnace? Were the ropes that bound them were burned off of them. You know, God can burn those things off of us that are binding us. We just have to trust him and let him do it. God can set us free of this world, the way this world acts, the way this world thinks, and all the things this world does. See, the world is trying to draw us, the Christian, to be like them. But I tell you what, when God puts his hedge of protection around you, the world cannot get to you. Every one of us, I'll be praying, God, put your hedge of protection around me, around my family. God, hold on to us. Lord, let us serve you. Lord, we believe in you, Lord, and we're going to serve you. And just watch what God does in your life. Watch how your blessings change. Watch what God does. You'll be more blessed than you've ever been. Simply because of your faith and who you serve. God wants you to serve Him so He can bless you. We are to trust God that He is who He says He is. Let me ask you a question. Is He in your life today? And is He around us when people look at us, I want to ask you something. Is he in our life today? That is, people look at you and me and the rest and other Christians. Will they look at us and see our blessings and say, hey, that has to be God in their life. God is the only one who can do it. That is God blessing them. I've seen the people in here, I've seen a number of you blessed as to what God has touched and what God has done in your life. I'm going to ask the band to come up if they will. If you're here today, maybe you're trying to tell God what to do in your life instead of saying, God, I belong to you. I want you to do what you have to do to draw me closer to you. You know, that's a hard prayer. That's a hard prayer. Lord, do what you have to do that you draw me closer to you. That I can serve you the way you want me to. That I will be obedient to you. And Lord, that your blessings will just flow down to me. You know, that's what God wants us to pray. He wants, his, he wants us to pray for, his, for us to be obedient to him. Not the world, but to him. So as this band plays, if, if you feel like maybe, hey, I've kind of been trying to tell God what to do in my life instead of letting God have a free reign in my life. Lord, maybe I haven't been serving you the way I should. Lord, touch my life. Because you're my God. And my faith is in you. So if you feel like you need a closer walk with God, we have an altar down here. You're welcome to come down, kneel before God, and just ask Him to change your life. I'm going to be down front. If you just need to have a prayer, maybe you've got something going on, maybe something's happening, and you would like to be anointed with oil and prayed for, God's, going to, God's here. I tell you, He's here. 
His Holy Spirit is here moving around right now. And God wants to touch you. And He will. So as this band plays, if you need something from God, please, we have altars, or I'll be down front, and I'll pray with you. being here today uh, if we could I'd like to have a prayer and I'll also pray for our meal and uh, just know how much God loves you and what he wants to do in your life but we've got to let him do it Father God as we come into your presence Lord I thank you for this day we sometimes Lord I'm, I know you probably get so angry and so aggravated with us the way we act the things we say the things we do Lord, you're probably telling us, and you want people to think you're a Christian. Lord, just forgive us. We're flesh. We make mistakes. But Lord, I know you're a loving and you're forgiving God. And you will forgive us and just ask you to touch us, change us, make us like who you want us to be. And Lord, we know that's like you. For we are the image of you is what the Word says. We were, we were made in your image, not flesh, but spirit. So, Lord, touch each one of us, bless us. And, Lord, may we have a closer, closer walk with you. May our faith grow daily. And, Lord, thank you for those here today. Lord, if there was somebody that needed to come down and they just didn't, Lord, bless them. Meet their need. Show them, Lord, that you are God, that you love them. And touch them. So Lord as we go next door. To enjoy a meal. Lord I just ask you to bless this food. To our bodies. To the nourishing of our bodies Lord. That we may be in your service. Give us that strength Lord. Through our food. And through your love and your mercy Lord. To do what you want us to do. And Lord I thank you for the hands. That prepared this food. I know it was prepared in love. And Lord. Bless it to our bodies. And we pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So it's ready next door. Y'all go over, eat, enjoy it.